Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to the Story Church Podcast. Our podcast features audio from Sunday mornings at Story Church in Peru, Indiana, a community on the mission of connecting people's story to God's story. If you'd like to connect with us further, check out storyperu.com. Our hope is that today's episode helps you take your next step on your faith journey. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic today, uh, just the reality of technology. It surrounds us. Uh, our world is constantly changing, it seems like. I mean, it's really crazy if you stop and think about five or maybe 10 years ago, the technology that we even had available then versus the things that we engage in and take for granted every day uh, in our ordinary lives. But the reality is, uh, you're not going to be surprised when I say that we live in divided times as well, right? It seems like everybody has an opinion about everything. Maybe you're like me and it really bothered you in that video when they said GIF instead of GIF, because there's a big internet debate about which is it, because it's G-I-F, but how do you pronounce it? So like maybe you even have an opinion about that. We're all so divided. But I think if we could be united around one thing, it's that all of us think everybody else is on their phone too much, right? All of us think that like, man, those people spend way too much time staring at their screen, but we never really think that we're that way, right? We excuse our own behavior while we kind of want to point out everybody else's bad behavior. And, and I'm kind of teasing, uh, but I really am excited about this because I think this topic is way more important than we realize. It's something that maybe we don't always talk about uh, in a faith context or as it relates to following Jesus. But like they said, I think for many of us, these devices that we love and that we maybe hate sometimes, but we spend so much time on, they're actually shaping us and they're forming us in more ways than we realize. It's subtle. It's not like evil or anything like that, but it does have an impact on us. And that's what we're going to talk about as we kick things off today. And something that I want you to know about our community here at Story is that we're people who are genuinely trying to live in this tension where we hold on to a historic faith, but we live in an ever-changing world. And so we want to be people who don't try and resolve that. We don't think culture is evil and it needs combated, but we also don't think every new idea that we hear is the greatest idea and should go untested. But rather, we try and hold those two things in tension, that we can actually follow Jesus, this 2,000-year-old rabbi, that we can follow him in our present moment as our world is constantly changing. And what that requires of all of us is a thing called discernment, or another way of putting it is the practice of wisdom, where we actually figure out not just what is right and what is wrong, but how do we apply our knowledge in our everyday context and in our real lives. And that's why the series is called Tech Wise. Uh, What I want to do over these next couple of weeks is try and give you at least an intro to like a theology of technology and how uh, our our devices actually do have an impact on our faith journey. And uh, this isn't necessarily a new thing for Jesus followers to need to practice wisdom or or to need to learn what it looks like to discern how to follow Jesus in our culture. The Apostle Paul, who was a church planner in the first century, uh, actually wrote a letter to one of his churches he helped start in a region called Ephesus, and he was writing to them in their current cultural context, very different than ours, but he gave them this advice. He said, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now, that sounds a little spooky when he says the days are evil. He doesn't mean like Halloween evil or anything like that. Uh, Really, another way that you could translate that is Paul's saying your time is limited, that like time is not on your side as it relates to living out your faith and living a life of wisdom. And so he says like we should be wise in how we use our time and how we spend our days. And uh, man, if there's anything that can dominate our time, 
digital platforms can do it, can't they? If you've ever binge watched a show on Netflix or uh, maybe done the doom scroll thing at night where you just like keep going and going and going and you're like, oh my gosh, minutes turned into hours, right? You've seen the little like shame notification from Netflix. It's like, are you still watching? And you're like, yes, I am. Leave me alone. Thank you very much. Uh, it can just take our time away. And what I want to do again is help all of us. And I'm a participant in this too. I'm not above uh, any of the struggles that I'm going to talk about today, I want to help us be intentional and actually make deliberate choices about how our faith and these devices, how our faith and our world intersect. And really what I hope for every single one of us is that we could get a better picture of what it looks like for us to experience life as Jesus envisioned it, as Jesus told his early followers that he believes it's possible that there can be life and life to the full, right? Not just life that's like I'm getting through today, but life that's packed full of meaning and potential and opportunity. That's what I want to help us discover along the way. And so to help us understand how faith and technology intersect, interact, I think this concept of digital Babylon is really helpful for us to kind of understand the world that we live in and the water that we swim in. It's a concept, like I said, that was introduced by a group called the Barna Group, and their president, David Kinneman, has written a few books actually about this topic where he introduced this idea that our culture is kind of like a digital Babylon. Essentially, there have been moments uh, throughout the history of God's people where God's people were in the center of influence and power, and they were able to shape culture in really significant ways. And then there have been other moments where God's people are kind of exiled. They're more on the fringe of culture, and they're not necessarily the loudest or, well, a lot of times they're the loudest, but maybe not the most influential voice uh, in our world. And David argues, and I would agree with him, that uh, this moment that we're in right now is kind of a moment of exile. As our culture rapidly changes around us, and uh, maybe institutions like the church aren't viewed as authoritative or as important as they once were, we're kind of in this space of trying to figure out what does it look like to be faithful in this current moment. And I want to be clear, I believe God moves through both things. I think God moves through some of those seasons of influence that that Jesus followers get, and I think God still moves in these seasons of exile. In fact, often the church is most powerful when it seems most oppressed and at its weakest, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. Uh, David Kinnaman describes this digital Babylon that we live in uh, through three lenses that we can see. He says that our culture right now is a culture where we have unlimited access, specifically unlimited access to information and opportunities connect because we have things like free Wi-Fi in most places and smartphones that these little computers that we carry around that can just connect us to all kinds of information. So it's an incredible time to be alive where we have this new and unlimited or seemingly unlimited phenomenal access. And at the same time, the second thing he describes is this profound alienation that many of us feel. That while we have more opportunities to connect than ever, many of us feel lonelier than ever. We feel more separate from one another, even though there's these opportunities to connect. And so it's this challenging dynamic at play in our world. And then you stack all of that on top of the third dynamic, uh, which he just describes as a changing, or he says a crisis of authority, where most authority figures or institutions in our day are being challenged and are being questioned, and they don't seem quite as stable as they once did. And some of that challenge is a good thing. Right? We've seen scandals and injustices exposed, and those should be made right. We should talk about those things, and we should do something about them. But at the same time, some of these institutions and traditions are the things that have given like, people's lives structure and meeting for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And so we're just in this disrupted time where we're all trying to make sense of what it looks like to live well, and if you're a follower of Jesus, to follow Jesus in this changing cultural moment. What we believe here is that our culture isn't something that we should fear, but it is something that we should be aware of. It's something that we should be intentional and that we should be deliberate about because we do practice our faith in the real world. And if you're here today and you're a parent or maybe a grandparent or there's a young person in your life that you care about, 
man, I hope you will lean in for these two weeks because this conversation is so, so, so important for the life and for the world that our kids are inheriting and that they're navigating through together. Uh, The reality is this dynamic will shape your kids one way or another. Uh, He talked about how our devices are now discipling us or actually shaping our worldview. The reality is the way that your kids engage in this digital world that we live in will either happen by default or it will happen by design. Right? You'll either just kind of go with the current and say, like, whatever, here's your phone, good luck, or you'll be intentional about it. You'll be deliberate. You'll make decisions. And I think the wise thing for us to do is to be aware and for us to be uh, intentional with how we navigate all of this stuff. And I think the other thing that's important, not just for them but for you, is if you're trying to influence the next generation, often I think our kids learn from us by what is caught rather than what is taught. In other words, you can say one thing, but if your habits speak otherwise, Often our kids learn from the things that we do more than the things that we say. So getting this right and figuring out how we can engage well with this changing culture and these devices that we have, it is so important and the stakes are so high. And the bottom line today that I hope you can grab onto is simply this. I'll give it to you pretty early. It's that technology is impacting us. That's really all that I hope you get today, that you can have this awareness that technology is impacting us. And and we're going to explore our relationship with it. We're going to kind of have a define the relationship talk in some ways. If you've ever had one of those, like when you're dating somebody and you're like, hey, are we we friends or are we more than friends? And are you serious? We're going to define the relationship with our devices a little bit today as we move forward. But step one in doing that is recognizing the way that it shapes us, that it's shaping our lives and our, our minds and our hearts and our souls. And I think that there's three lies that we can tend to want to believe as it relates to technology. And the first maybe is one of the more dangerous, and it's to believe the lie that technology is neutral, that technology doesn't actually impact us in any significant way, that it's not a big deal, right? Instagram's just fun. I just like to scroll through it and look at things or Pinterest or whatever you're into. Like, it's just a show, right? It's Netflix. I just, I like to cool off and watch it, and like, it's, it's not harmful to me in any way. Don't ask me how much time I'm spending on it, right? But we just kind of want to bury our head in the sand and be like, it's fine. It's not a big deal. It's just a little thing that makes my life a little more tolerable. But the challenge is if we ignore it, uh, we'll end up just drifting. And what we've said even in recent weeks is that we tend to not drift in good directions. We tend to drift into just going with the flow of the world around us. And so uh, technology isn't neutral, but it can be just as dangerous to run to either of the other extremes too, because some of us fall into the lie of believing that that means technology is just evil and we should avoid it at all costs. Like technology is somehow uh, just going to corrupt us or, or pull us away from our faith. And That's certainly not true either. In fact, in just a little bit, I'm going to talk about some of the ways that technology can be amazing for your faith and can actually facilitate a growing relationship with Jesus. But I don't know if you've ever had that experience where uh, you're trying to log into one of your accounts online and the little uh, CAPTCHA thing pops up where, like, you have to click on all the traffic lights because, like, have you ever thought about what's happening in that moment when the robot is asking you if you're a robot and you're, like... (laughs) kind of stressed out about it if you're like me, because it's like, I've clicked all the little lights, but do I include like the poll? Because that's kind of part of it too. And what if I get it wrong and I lose all my access to all my information forever because the robot decided I'm a robot? And it's just this weird thing. And we can kind of spiral into that if we think like technology is out to get us and it's against us. Maybe you've uh, even fallen into kind of the conspiracy, conspiracy theory approach to technology where you're like, I don't know, is all the technology going to reach this singularity point where it becomes self-aware and it takes over? And like, is this guy real? right? Is, is he going to show up one day? I don't know. Is Skynet a thing? I don't know. But it's kind of stressful if you think about it. But in all seriousness, like, I don't believe technology is fully good or fully evil. And that's the third thing that we can fall into. We can jump into the other extreme and, and not view technology as neutral or as evil, but we can actually treat technology as if it's a savior to us. 
And uh, a lot of people, especially people who aren't Jesus followers or maybe don't practice any faith at all, in our secular world, this tends to be kind of the posture that we can actually design and build and tech our way into some utopian future where we solve all of the problems and everything's good. And uh, we haven't seen that to be the case yet. Right? It seems like we've been trying for a very long time, and there's still problems. And in fact, sometimes our solutions create more problems, and, and on and on and on we go. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to show you just how easy it is for us to fall into this mindset where we think our technology can save us, where we think our technology can meet some of our deepest needs. But out of the gate, one thing I do want you to know as well is I'm not anti-technology. Okay, so the message today is not like we're going to have a phone burning party or anything like that. Uh, we're not doing that. I'm not like a Luddite or anything like that. In fact, technology can be really amazing. And I think we've all had moments along the way where we've experienced that. Like, I'm a big fan of the cloud. I don't understand anything about the cloud, but I'm a big fan of it because it's made it possible that like my documents at work can show up at home and like I don't have to carry a big briefcase anymore because it's all in the cloud wherever it is. And it's a beautiful thing. Or one thing that the cloud has brought us is streaming music. Right? Like, I'm a musician, I'm, I'm an artist, I love listening to music. Do you remember the days when you had to carry around your CD case, right? Or your cassettes or, or whatever your thing was, your like records? Like, it was crazy. And you just had to go to like one spot to listen to your music. Now you can be anywhere. In fact, you can be out in a restaurant, hear a song that you like, and ask your phone, hey, what song is this? And it will tell you. And if you pay like a subscription, like I do, too much, then you can like listen to it whenever you want, wherever you want. It's an amazing thing. There is so much music available for all of us. And depending on what you listen to, that could be a good or a bad thing. But uh, I think it's an amazing thing. And uh, I think we all experienced the power of technology in our lives as well as we navigated through the pandemic together. Like remember in 2020 when we all discovered that FaceTime was actually useful and it was like the only way that we could see our family members at times. I can remember uh, as we were going through our routine with our daughter, we would uh, call my parents and it was the way that she could stay connected to her grandparents at bath time or snack or whatever. And we just had a ton of fun. Uh, We would like actually page in my brother. So like we're all in different cities locked in our homes, but we're able to connect in this way. And it was an amazing thing that technology brought to us. And even as it relates to our faith, technology can be so useful and so helpful. Like you have the opportunity right now to listen to more sermons or inspirational messages than ever before. Maybe I shouldn't tell you that in case you're like not satisfied here, but you already know, right? You can listen to anyone at any time, the best preachers, pastors, people who talk throughout the nation, they're available at your fingertips. And it's an amazing thing. And we actually do, this is like story's best kept secret maybe, but we do have a podcast uh, that we launched just a few months ago I've done a really bad job at keeping it updated, but we're going to try and fix that tomorrow. Uh, So if you're interested, just search for the Story Church podcast. And it's, again, an amazing opportunity. You can go back and listen to the things we've talked about. You can share them with friends who maybe it would be helpful for them to engage in the conversations that we're having here. But it's a really cool thing. Uh, We've talked about church online here as well. We're still working on that. But that's another opportunity that we have to reach people, not only in our local community, but really throughout the world through the power of this technology. It's an incredible thing. And, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it either, but You also can download the Bible on your phone. And if you really think about that in the context of human history, that's absurd. Because there were people who gave their lives to try to get a physical translation of the Bible made for their people. Right? Not that long ago. People were like dying to get this information. And we have it at our fingertips for free and take it for granted all the time. So my point in saying all that is that technology can be really amazing. And yet here's the bad news. Right? For all of the benefits of our technology, Technology can also easily dominate our lives. 
It can easily lead us down paths where we become owned by our devices rather than owning our devices and, and directing them on how they should go. And uh, so I'm going to give you the really depressing part now. Okay, here's some stats just about Americans in general and how we tend to engage uh, with our smartphones. In this study that I looked at, 80% of people uh, admitted that they look at their phone first thing in the morning and last thing at night. I think we've probably all fallen into that at some point, especially if your phone is your alarm clock, right? It's like you roll over and you just get sucked in instantly. And I know I've been guilty at night of like, oh, I got to set my alarm. And then I scroll and I scroll and I scroll. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been another half hour or hour. And like, how did I get pulled into it? 75% of people actually sleep with their phones, which I don't know how specific they were in their questions, but I picture somebody like tucking it under their pillow, like, I need it, please stay with me. But, uh, you know, again, if you use it as your alarm clock, mine's right there by my bed. I actually bought a like $5 cheapo alarm clock from back in the day because I was like, I'm gonna break this habit. And I'll be honest with you, it sits here and my phone sits right next to it and I still use my phone as the alarm clock. So I like read the time from that, but then use my phone as the alarm clock, which totally defeats the purpose. But 40% uh, of people actually get up to check their phone in the middle of the night, which feels very addictive to me, right? Like I just need another hit, I need another notification, whatever it is, I gotta check it out. 30% uh, of weird people shower with their phones. And look, I know that's offensive because it's 30%, so some of you are in the room, but like, I just want to know what case do you have? Or like, is it like you hold it outside of the shower and like poke your head out? I don't know. It seems dangerous because these things are sacred and precious. But anyway, uh, here's, I think, the really convicting one for all of us. The average smartphone user uh, unlocks their phone 150 times a day. Isn't that crazy when you think about it? The number of times we pick these things up, the number of times we engage with it, and we're not even aware of it. And uh, there's an author named Cal Newport uh, who wrote a book called Digital Minimalism. And if you're interested in this topic, it's really a helpful book. I mean, it's very practical. It's not faith-based necessarily. Uh, but he talks about putting limits on our technology. And he kind of is like a just call it what it is kind of a guy. And as it relates to the next generation, here's what he said. He said the tycoons of social media have to stop pretending that they're friendly nerd gods building a better world and admit that they're just tobacco farmers in T-shirts selling an addictive product to children. Because let's face it, Checking your likes is the new smoking. And man, when he said that, I know it's kind of like jarring how harsh he is, but when he said that, I'm like, that's so true. Like just a few generations back, smoking was not only widely accepted, but it was widely practiced. And maybe we knew the health you know, challenges, maybe we didn't, but it was just everywhere. And a lot of people still engaged with it, whether or not we knew about the health challenges. And that's less so the case now, but instead we've just found a new thing to be addicted to. And there's studies out there that show us that it's also detrimental to our health to engage with our devices in the way that we are, but many of us are just caught up in it. And so I love the way he says that, that scrolling is the new smoking. And I've realized this in myself when I take breaks just to scroll, right? I'm a parent of a three-year-old, so it's a little noisy around my house sometimes. So sometimes I'll retreat to the bathroom and I'm just like, it's quiet in here. So I'm gonna hide for a second. And sometimes my wife will actually text me, text me and be like, hey, what? What's going on in there? <laughs> like, it's been a little bit, and I'm like, oh man, how long has it been? And so then I gotta go out and be like a responsible adult in the world. But uh, my point with all of this is that technology can be amazing, but there are negative aspects, and so many of us are shaped by those negative aspects more than we realized. And just to like make sure we don't miss it today, I've got some more bad news that I'm gonna share, okay? So track with me for a little bit more. Uh, I saw this article this week that talked about, uh, the title was, This Is Your Brain on Tech. And it actually talked about not just the habits that we're forming, but actually how it's impacting our brains, the, the way that we engage in this technology. And, and I'll just hit these like rapid fire bullet points. He said our attention spans have gotten shorter, that uh, the average attention span now is actually shorter than that of a goldfish. 
So it used to be 12 seconds. Now we're down to eight seconds, and goldfish are at nine seconds, so they're like one up on us there. Uh, he, he talked about how we can't filter out extraneous information, or in other words, we are constantly distracted because we're so used to getting so much stimulus from our notifications and all the stuff we scroll through that even in the real world, we're like every little movement, we gotta check it out, we gotta get info. We can't focus the way that we once did, and, and that impacts all kinds of aspects of our life. Uh, he talked about how we can't retain information as effectively anymore. Our memories aren't as good as they once were. In fact, one study said that millennials have worse memories than most senior citizens. And, and that's concerning for me because I am a millennial, like an elder millennial here. And, and they talked about how uh, that for many of us, like this has happened because we don't have to remember things, because we have access to information all the time. It's why you don't know most of your family members' phone numbers, right? Because you got a context book. You don't need it. You just text them or there it is. And so we're not remembering things as well. Uh, he said that we're becoming more shallow thinkers. In other words, we don't uh, think deeply about topics the way that we once did, but instead we try and skim the surface of a lot of different things. And there's uh, an author named Nicholas Carr who wrote a book about neuroplasticity, which is basically uh, the concept of how our brains can actually change over time, and, and that sometimes that's good, like we can grow, we can learn new things. Sometimes that's bad, and we can fall into bad patterns. And he was talking about his own uh, inability to focus or to think deeply like he once did, and I just love the image he created when he described it. He said, once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words. Now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. And man, isn't that so true of how most of us engage with information? Like, that's why all the articles anymore have 10 things you must do because we're like headline, 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 headline. And we don't read the actual article. We just need the information in bite-sized form like we're zipping along the surface in our jet ski. And maybe to like sum it up, I think technology can impact us in four areas of our life at least. Uh, technology can impact us emotionally. And it's important, I wanna like clarify as I say this, uh, maybe the most important thing I learned in college is I had a professor who like beat the drum that or correlation does not equal causation. In other words, just because two things are happening at the same time, it doesn't mean that they caused each other. And yet, in this case, what I'm about to share with you, it just makes me wonder uh, that in 2007, when the iPhone uh, became publicly available on the market, there's also an inflection point in the use, the prescription and the sale of drugs for anxiety and depression. That there's this inflection point that when these devices suddenly showed up in our pockets, there's this spike it, when people need these drugs to deal with anxiety and depression. So it's impacting us emotionally is one thing that we can draw from that case. And uh, I think not just emotionally, but these devices are impacting us physically as well. Uh, if you're not mobile, right, we all know we're supposed to exercise like a half hour every day or whatever. Many of us are sitting there scrolling or staring at a screen. Like we're not moving and it does impact us. It literally, we're gaining weight because we're sitting snacking and watching all the time. Uh, we have probably all heard the story about how smartphones aren't good for us at night that we don't sleep as well if we've been looking at a screen uh, right before we go to bed because the blue light just interrupts our sleep cycles. And so that's why so many of us are like walking zombies all the time because we're just tired from staring at these devices. Uh, there's actually a new phenomenon uh, physically that in the medical community called text neck, which is actually people having like issues with their neck because they're spending so much time looking down at their phone. It's actually like from texting, they're harming their bodies physically. So this has a physical impact on us. Uh, our devices can have a relational impact on us. That relationally, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we're more connected than ever, but sometimes we feel more alone than ever. And you've probably experienced what I've experienced where maybe you're out to dinner with somebody or you have a meeting and you're sitting across from the same table as one another, but they're sitting there like this, right? And you're maybe even talking still, you're trying to like connect with them. And then you have this moment where you're like, are you listening to a word that I'm saying? Because <laughs> you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I've had evenings, right, where we're sitting at home 
put our daughter to bed, and we're sitting across the couch from each other in silence, just zoning out at whatever we're looking at, right? I mean, we're all victim of this. And sometimes we can even use these devices to avoid conflict with one another because we know like talking about the thing is going to be uncomfortable. And so when we're bothered by something, we're like, nah, I'm just going to zone out for a little bit, right? I'm going to disconnect. I'm going to detach. And so it has a relational impact on us. And I really believe that these devices can have a spiritual impact on us as well. And that's concerning for me as a pastor, as great as all of those resources that I talked about are, right? Messages that you can listen to, worship music that you can stream if you want to, even church services that you can watch online. I don't believe that it's a substitute for really being connected to a local community and really showing up like flesh and bone in person and connecting with real people. Uh, I don't think that there's anything wrong with leveraging these. And in fact, we're trying to figure out how can we leverage it well it's kind of a crazy thing for me because I started in ministry as a communications pastor. Like my job was to develop the technology for the church that I was a part of at that time. And yet I'm profoundly aware that it's a poor substitute for actual lived out embodied community, that it's just not quite the same thing along the way. And, and if nothing else, these devices can fill our time so much that there's no space for real meaningful connection with God. Right? We, we've filled all, filled all of our free time with scrolling and just staying constantly uh, engaged with these devices instead of like, thinking deeply about things in this world, connecting deeply with God, having that quiet time. Scrolling time sometimes has replaced our quiet times along the way. And, and one last thing before we get to some good news and some hope, okay? Uh, this is not just a young people thing either. Sometimes we, we tend to think that, like, oh, those younger generations and what they're doing. But we all know grandmas and grandpas who shouldn't be on Facebook. Right? We, we've seen that happen. And uh, I saw a meme, actually, that kind of illustrates this well. Uh, it's this picture, all this technology is making us antisocial. It's the newspaper, right? Because everybody had their technology of the day. And hear me out, newspapers are not Twitter. Like those are different things, okay? But the point is that people throughout generations have struggled with technology. They've wrestled with this tension of how to live well in an ever-changing world. And that was true even all the way back at the very beginning. So I want to take you uh, to an account that's found in the very first book of scripture uh, called Genesis. And the account is this uh, moment known as the Tower of Babel. Essentially what happened is people were doing the thing that God called them to do. They were growing, they were expanding, they were moving throughout this world. And then they came to this moment where they decided it was time to do something for themselves. And here's what the text says. It says, now the whole world in this moment had one language and a common speech. But as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but that was like a technological advancement at the time. They created bricks. And so we're not talking about like iPhones in this moment, but still there was this new technology that was changing the way they could do things. They're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take this brick and we're going to build something with it. And that seems really exciting along the way, but then the people go on and here's what they decide to do. They say, we have this new technology, let's leverage it. And they say, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And on this surface, this doesn't seem that bad, right? It's like human ingenuity at its finest. We came up with something cool. Let's do something cool with it that's going to benefit all of us. It seems like good old ambition, and there's nothing wrong with that. But if you pay attention to what's happening under the surface, it actually reveals these people's motives. Like, did you catch where they said, come, let us make a name for ourselves? There's this deeper longing that they're going after. They don't just want a cool tower. Uh, they want to be significant. They want to be meaningful. They want to be noticed in the world. And in fact, in the ancient world in which they lived, uh, cultures were identified as powerful and strong if they had very tall buildings. 
like the people who could build the pyramids, they not only had the ingenuity to dream them up, but they had the resources to make it happen. And, and so basically they're saying like, we want to be like them, right? We want to be significant. We want to be powerful. We want to build our own big tower so that people would recognize us. And then God steps into the story. And God's response on the surface can seem really odd, again, because he shows up and he's kind of the buzzkill of the story. It says, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they'll not understand each other. And so the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. It kind of feels like, come on, God, like... What's the big deal? It was going to be a cool tower, and he just shows up. He's like, nope. But the thing that we have to understand is what these people were doing in this moment is they were actually ignoring the original mandate or calling that God put on the lives of people. Because if you know the story, God creates people. He places them on this earth, and he gives them instructions. He says, go forth and multiply, right? Spread out throughout this whole world. Tame and subdue this beautiful world that I've created for you. Like, go enjoy all of it. And if you notice the pattern of these people in this story, they're doing the opposite. They're like, no, 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 we're going to stay here and we're going to stay together and we're going to build something awesome for ourselves. And so God steps in and he's like, no, 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 you're missing it. That's not what I made you to do. And in fact, there's this deeper thing that's happening in this story and in this moment that just got God involved. The people were turning to their technology to satisfy something in themselves, right? They were looking for this significance and for this meaning. They want to create a name for themselves. And when you saw that text, like, doesn't that sound like what so many of us want to do with our social media profiles and online? Like, let me make a name for myself that I know that I'm significant, that I know that I'm seen. And like, I know the likes are superficial, but they still feel good. So I like, we track them, don't we? We're like, I want to know that I matter. And just like they were going to their technology to find a deeper longing or satisfy a deeper longing, we do that too. Oftentimes we turn to our devices out of a need for connection. Oftentimes, we turn to our devices and to these platforms out of a desire to belong somewhere, right? We want people who, who see us and, and who like us and who care about us, and that's not a bad thing. We turn to these devices out of a desire for information, right? There's endless information. You can solve any problem. You're like, yeah, let me look it up, and I'll figure it out. It's an incredible thing. We turn to our devices for this deeper longing for security, right? Parents, especially if your kids are like driving age, isn't Find My Friends an incredible tool where you can be like, where are they really right now? How are they doing? Are they safe? Like, if you want to check in and protect a loved one, this technology is incredible for that. So we pursue it out of a sense of security. Uh, we can use this technology out of a desire for intimacy. I have family members who met each other uh, through online dating platforms, and that's an incredible thing to leverage these, again, platforms and technology to meet a real need of deep connection along the way. And oftentimes, I think, if we're honest, we turn to these devices just for a little bit of stress relief. Right? We live in a difficult world, and in all of that difficulty, sometimes we just turn to these things for a little bit of relief along the way. And here's what I want you to hear today from me. That list, those are sacred desires. There is nothing wrong with wanting to be connected to other people or to feel a sense of belonging, uh, to have information or a sense of security along the way. I, I think God wants us to experience intimacy with other people, and I think he wants us to live lives free from worry and stress. But those are sacred desires that are not satisfied by our devices, right? They're sacred desires that we're not gonna find the solution to through a screen. Instead, those are desires that were meant to be satisfied in relationship with our Heavenly Father and with the community of people who are pursuing Him together. Like, like those are desires that can only be met 
by him. And our devices, again, they're incredible. They give us the whole world at the palm of our hands, but they also give us things when we're pursuing information. It gives us the 24-hour news cycle, right? And bad news all the time and everybody's opinion all the time and it can just weigh us down and cause us to miss the point. Like, yeah, we want belonging and connection, but we also receive comparison when we engage in these things. And I've heard this quote, you probably have heard it too, it goes around all the time. I originally thought it was by C.S. Lewis and then through my device I found out that it's one of those quotes nobody knows exactly who said it first, but it's still true regardless of who said it, that comparison is the thief of joy. I mean, how many of us were missing out on the joy of what we have because we're scrolling and we're seeing everybody else's highlight reel on Instagram and wanting what they have? We're missing out on the gifts that are right in front of us because we're caught up in this comparison trap. Uh, yeah, we can like pursue intimacy online, but there's also more opportunities through these platforms for our temptations to be lived out, right? There's a booming online dating industry and there is an even bigger booming pornography industry. And so many people are caught up in that trap as well, men and women alike. So it's right there. And I think maybe again, one of the dangers of this technology is it's always on. And so we feel like we need to be always on. Like we never take a break and we feel like we're supposed to be available to everyone always all the time. And so here's the point. I want you to wrestle with this question because Jesus, he didn't directly speak to the iPhone, okay? There's no like chapter and verse I can say where it's like, thou shalt not scroll. But, but what he did talk about were some principles that we can apply in our real world. And one time he asked a question that I think we need to wrestle with as we examine uh, how these devices are actually shaping and molding us. And Jesus asked this, he said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And that, that word soul, the Hebrew, it's actually the word nefesh, which refers to the unified you, the whole you, the integrated you, the you that is experiencing the fullness of life as God designed it to be lived. And he's saying, hey, there's stuff you can give yourself to that'll take that from you. It'll take that peace and that fullness away from you. And I love the way uh, that Pastor Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible, it kind of puts it in contemporary language. I love the way he phrased it. He says, what kind of a deal is it to get everything you want but to lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? This is going to sound a little intense. Okay, remember I'm not anti-technology. But I think if a lot of us were honest and we looked at our habits, myself included, there's a lot more on the line than we think. Because if we don't keep this in check, here's the reality for you and the reality for me. Your relationship with your devices can steal your soul. Not in like a spooky way, okay? It's not like, it's gonna take it from you. But like, as it takes your time from you, as it takes your attention from you, as it takes your peace of mind from you, these devices can take you away from the life of fullness that God designs and longs for you to live along the way. And none of us are immune. All of us can fall into this. And so just real quickly, as we wrap up today, I, I want to speak to you if you're in the room and like, as I've been sharing all the bad news, you're like, oh no, <laughs> like I'm caught up right in the middle of this. And, and I know that I'm there, but those deep longings, like I said, they're sacred, right? They're, they're good. You deserve to feel worthy and, and a sense of belonging and connection and, and, and intimacy and, and security. Like that is all good. But here's what I would say to you today. If you are going back and back to these devices and these platforms to try and satisfy that for yourself, here's what I challenge you to do. It's a little cheesy, but I would say don't look down, look up, right? Don't look down at your device to try and satisfy that longing that's in you. Instead, look up to your heavenly father who has already spoken about how he feels about you. He made you and he's crazy about you. And he made you not just randomly, but he made you in his image. He filled you with potential and purpose and meaning. And he wants to speak into your life 
far more than any platform could ever do. He wants to satisfy your longings in a way that lasts. And so if you're caught up in that, maybe another way to say this is that you and I are invited to actually take our cue from the one who made us rather than the people around us or the social media or the platform that we can scroll. We can take our cue from the one who made us. And when we do that, it can change everything about us. For the rest of us, you maybe, maybe you're like, hey, I'm not like deep down in it where my identity feels wrapped up in it, but I'm not great, right? Like I spend more time on this than I ought to. Uh, there's a principle in a book uh, called The TechWise Family that actually shaped a lot of this teaching uh, that I think we could all apply and all benefit from. And it's this principle of parenting your devices. Uh, so the author Andy Crouch uh, writes about this idea essentially in the same way that we parent children by establishing ground rules and providing structure and stability for the child to grow within, we should do that for our devices as well. And, and so what if for you, in the same way that like, you put your kids down for bed at a certain time, what if you put your phone to bed at a certain time? Whether it's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, or whatever's for you, like, you set it down, and it, it went night-night for the day, right? And then you had time to do things like talk to God or read a book or, or talk to the other people who live in your house with you, right? Like your spouse or, or your kids or whatever. Like what if you actually intentionally set a time where you're like, I'm going to be free from this thing? What if it wasn't an everyday rhythm, but we're heading into summer, right? And it's this like season where Indiana gets amazing for a little bit, and it's not cold, and you can go out and you can do things. Like, what if you picked a day where you said, I'm going to leave my phone at home, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to enjoy this world? It's, some of you, like, your anxiety spiked up when I said leave my phone at home, right? But it's possible. People lived full, happy lives for generations without these devices. And, and maybe for you, if you're caught up in this cycle, it's the very thing you need to free yourself from some of those patterns. These rules that I'm talking about, they're not meant to be religious rules that we just do because we feel like we ought to do. They're meant to be things that set us free, right? These boundaries and these guardrails that help us live the life that God wants us to live. And maybe you're here today and you're like, listen, that still seems like too much, okay? Like, I gotta have my phone on me. You don't get it. It's like a thing. That's fine. But what if for you, as we're starting this conversation, what if for the next seven days, you didn't change anything about your life, but you just decided to pay attention and you did an audit of the role that technology plays in your life and in your workplace and in your family, like, like, what if you, if you have an iPhone, you know that little thing that pops up that says your screen time was whatever, whatever this week. And if you're like me, you swipe it away because you're like, I don't want to know. Like, get behind me, Satan. What if, like, this week for the next seven days, you actually checked it and you actually paid attention? You thought, like, where is my time really going? What do my habits really look like? Because for most of us, in fact, I would think for all of us, it's not like we're evil and we want to ruin our lives. And it's not like it feels like that when we're using these things. But the truth is, there's a lot on the line with how we engage in these platforms. And if we're not intentional about it, we'll drift. If we don't design how we want our lives to look like in this arena of life, we'll just default to whatever feels good in the moment, whatever we see everybody else doing. And I think we'll miss out on the full life that God has for each of us. So here's the point as we're beginning this conversation. You're influenced by the technology that's around you. You're influenced by the technology that you use. And you are made for more than likes. Right? You weren't made to be owned by a device. You, you maybe were made to own a device and to use it in healthy ways, but you got to be deliberate about it. You got to be intentional about it because Jesus is inviting you in his way that actually leads to life that is really life. And that's possible for all of us if we're willing to first become aware of how these devices are influencing us along the way. So let me pray for you to that end. God, uh, this conversation it can feel, I don't know, 
it can feel both like silly and significant at the same time because it, on the one hand, these are just little habits that we have, right? Little ways that we spend our time, maybe ways that we make life in this world a little easier. And yet at the same time, there's so much on the line for our mental health and our spiritual health and, and just our well-being. And so God, I pray uh, that we would become people who are aware of what we're doing, that we wouldn't just drift through our lives, but we would be deliberate and we would be intentional and, and that we would take our cue from you about what it looks like to really live well. For the person in the room today who, who they're caught up in that comparison trap, or, or maybe they know that they're turning to their devices or a community online to try and define them, God, set them free from that and instead let them understand and get a sense of how you define them, of how you see them, of the identity that you give to them freely. And, and God, for all of us, in this next week, raise our awareness of the habits that we have and help us to become people who don't just drift with our culture and get caught up in the craziness around us, but who actually model something better, who actually experience and get to participate in life that is really life because that's exactly what you want for all of us. God, we pray and we ask all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in or near the Peru, Indiana area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. To find directions, service times, and information about our environments for kids, visit us at storyperu.com.